cryptocurrency today is a two trillion dollar market. That's almost two thirds of India's GDP. What's happening in this whole world? It's a completely different world if you haven't gotten on the bandwagon yet. On today's episode, we'll try to break down what cryptocurrency is, what are the different types of cryptocurrency, and all the hoopla around it. So stay tuned. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Savant. Hello, listeners. My name is Ronnie Jacob, and welcome to another episode of Surface Scratchers, the podcast where Savant and I, two trivia nerds, try to get a little smarter ourselves, and in the process, try to educate you as well. On today's episode, like Savant mentioned, we are discussing cryptocurrency. Savant, do you have any cryptocurrency that you've invested in? I have invested in cryptocurrency. I have taken my money out of it, only to regret it. But whatever little money I had as a residual amount has given me fairly good returns. Today we'll try to cover a little bit about cryptocurrencies, blockchains, meme coins. What does that mean for India? We will scratch the surface because even with two days of research, it's you know the maximum we've been able to garner in terms of knowledge. But let's give it a go, Ron. Let's start off with you know what cryptocurrency even is. Simply put, cryptocurrency, Ronnie, is just electronic peer-to-peer currency. They don't exist, right? You can't pick up a Bitcoin, go to your Kirana and buy Vada Pau with it. Not just because the Kirana guy won't accept Bitcoin, <laughs> but because you physically can't. Yeah, you can't pull one out of your wallet. But 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 <laughs> things may change and we'll come to that. But but that's how it's, it's simply a peer-to-peer currency. What it does, as in what problem it solves, is really important to know why it's exploding right now. Okay, so just for a minute, let's discuss the today's problem with the concept of value. Okay, so whenever I trade value or information, or let's just stick to value, there is always a middleman who builds trust. So, Ronnie, whenever we have to book a cab, okay, you go to your Uber and book a cab, you trust Uber as the middleman to do that job for you, or you want to buy something on Amazon. Amazon mm-hmm. is that middleman. Or simply, if I have to transfer some money to you, there is a central authority, a financial institution, a bank, a government that always controls the supply and circulation of money or value. Okay? And therefore, trust in the middleman is a huge problem to solve because we don't know what right. that middleman is. Okay, That can restrict transactions, that can you know give plant fraud, a lot of things happens with centralized middlemen. Cryptocurrency is based on the concept of blockchain. Blockchains and what they are, I'll I'll try to explain it as simply as possible. But blockchain solves for this trust problem by decentralizing. Okay. Now, what is blockchain? Okay, let's take an example, Ron. If you and I had to just come up with a cryptocurrency, what name do we give it? Should we call it Pandu? Pandu coin. Okay, Pandu coin. Okay. So, Ron, say you are in the US. I am in India. I have 10 Pandu coins. You have 20 Pandu coins. You seem like a guy who's richer in Pandu-ness than I am. So. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. Okay. Say, I want to send you two Pandu coins. Okay. So, the transaction is Pratik sending two Pandu coins, therefore having 10 minus 2, 8 Pandu coins left. Ronnie. Having 20 Pandu coins plus 2, now 22 Pandu coins. These transactions are represented in a digital ledger in something called a block. Okay, 
Now, each block has three components. The first component is this details of the Pando coin transaction that I spoke about. The second component is a fingerprint or a hash ID, which is very unique to this transaction. And the third component is a previous hash ID. So for example, if I have 10 Pandu coins, it means I would have got, say, three Pandu coins from a previous transaction. Okay, These three components constitute a block. So just summarizing so far, each block has a reference to the previous block. Correct. The transaction that this block is taking care Correct. of, which is you sending me two Pandu coins and a unique uh, hash for this particular block yeah, itself. Like a, fing like a unique fingerprint. Correct. Now, this block is broadcasted to every party in the network. So, just think of us as a bunch of kids chilling and, and playing with these Pandu coins. Okay. Those in these network will then approve that this transaction of two Pandu coins is valid. Once this approval is done, this block is added to the chain. Okay, which provides a transparent record of transactions. So remember when I told you I received three Pandu coins before? Mm -hmm. Now I'm sending you two Pandu coins. It's part of this linear chain. Once it's added to this linear chain, two Pandu coins are successfully transferred from Pratik in India to Ronnie in the US. That's how blockchain simply works. How did that give rise to what we see as Bitcoins today? is this guy, very famous guy called Satoshi Nakamoto. It's a pseudonym. Okay, This guy apparently doesn't even exist. You know, funny story is that there is a Satoshi Nakamoto in California who's been hounded <laughs> by the media. Ki, Are you the one who invented Bitcoins? Are you the one who invented Bitcoins? So, uh, no. So, this guy is pseudonymous. He figured out a way for online commerce by removing this trust or dependence on financial institutions that I mentioned before and creating this cryptocurrency. Okay, this is decentralized, just like the one example of blockchain that I said, it's hack proof and it's digitally scarce. So at any point in time, you can track who has sent a Bitcoin to whom. Okay, and that's the beauty of, of Bitcoin in, in, you know, in, in the way it's conceptualized. Over to the origins and the details of it to you. Right. So apparently Satoshi Nakamoto could even be multiple people put together because there have been some analysis of things he's written, etc. And there appears to be a little bit of inconsistency here and there. So it could be a group of people even. But anyway, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto wanted to create something that, like you said, takes care of this trust uh, factor and what he created was bitcoin how he did this was started off in late 2008 when he released a paper or they released a paper called bitcoin a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system yeah so he, here he essentially outlined the current problems with you know the middleman etc and wanted to create something which, like you said, is a decentralized currency, can be sent from any user in the system to any other user in the system without a middle middle person. And all these transactions are publicly available and verified cryptographically. So what he created was Bitcoin and Bitcoin satisfied all these three criteria. 
So this paper was released in October 2008. And in January 2009, this guy created the first Bitcoin by starting the first block in the Bitcoin blockchain. This block is called the Genesis block because it was it was the first one. And in the block, Satoshi Nakamoto referenced uh, an article which said cha- the chancellor, that is the finance minister of the UK, the chancellor is on the brink of a second bailout for banks. Okay. So essentially what he was trying to do was, of course, number one, reference that the Genesis block was created on this date because this article came on that day and also again highlight the failures in the central bank system so when the central bank you know prints money and bails out financial institutions and this was around the time of the global financial crisis in 2008 the faith that the general public has in the central institution or the uh, or the central bank is going to be debased a little bit so he was calling out to that fact as well And apparently, this is a uh, rather, you know, well thought of school of economics. And this guy called Frederick uh, von Hayek, who is from the Austrian school of economics, actually thought a lot about, you know, removing uh, central bank and central authority from money, etc. So that's how Nakamoto created Bitcoin on the 3rd of January 2009. And apparently this article, na, which he referenced, uh, newspapers carrying that article that people have stored uh, up till now, sell for as much as $800,000 to 1 million US dollars. If you've got that front page article of, of the Times, I think, uh, with this chancellor on the brink of second bailout for banks. So that uh, is, is the origins of Bitcoin and Bitcoin being the first cryptocurrency is the origins of cryptocurrency in a way. Yeah. Moving on now, let's let's talk about uh, Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin mining is kind of a misnomer, you know. It's not actually looking for Bitcoins that, uh, like, you know, how gold mining is looking for gold. Mining is essentially making sure that, you know, the transactions that are in a block, like Savant mentioned, are appended properly to the blockchain. So it is verification of transactions and the reward you get out of this is a Bitcoin. So mining is kind of a misnomer. It is actually transaction verification and the Bitcoin is given as a reward. Apparently right now, uh, the reward for getting a block correct and verifying each transaction is about 6.25 Bitcoins which translates to roughly 300,000 US dollars or to a little over 2 crore uh, Indian rupees. What is the infrastructure required to validate this? You and I can't do this for sure. You, right? you and I could have done it perhaps for the very Many first... years ago. Correct. Haan, right. In 2010, maybe sitting on our laptops, we could have done it. And I'll tell you why it's so, so complicated right now. So like you had mentioned, Savant, earlier, every block has three components. One is a reference to the previous block and this reference is called a hash. Correct. The second is the list of transactions in that block. For example, 2400 in the case of Bitcoin. But for the sake of argument over here, let's assume it's just this one transaction. You sending me two Pandu coins. And the third one is a unique key. Now, the job of the miner is to find a particular unique key 
that satisfies a criteria now when you take the hash the transactions and the unique key and input it into a security algorithm called SHA-256 or something, mm -hmm. it sends you a code. Yeah. The actual output is 256 digits long, but maybe for the sake of our argument, assume it is five digits long. Mm -hmm. So you take previous transactions, Savant sending Ronnie two uh, Pandu coins and a unique key, which is say the digit one, you input it into this black box mechanism. It throws out a five digit code for example, 11100. The miner's job is he can only change the unique key. So he can change that 1 to a 2 or a 1 to a 100 or a 1 to a 1000. Once he does this, the five-digit code changes randomly. You can't even, you yes. know, say if I change 1 to 2, it is the third digit that changes or whatever. So if I change 1 to a 2, the output can be 00111. Yeah. The Bitcoin system has a rule that you can append a code if it satisfies a particular criteria. For example, let us say over here, the first three digits have to be a zero. So what the miner has to do, he's got the reference to the previous uh, block, the hash, this transaction, you sending me two Pando coins. He first puts the number one as his unique key and sees what output comes. If the first, whatever, three digits are not zero, he changes that one to a two, checks again. If it's not zero of the first three are not zero, he changes it to a three, etc. And this has to be, you know, in, in the actual Bitcoin thing, I think it's the first 30 or 40 digits out of a series of 256 that have to be zeros. So the minor guys have to, you know, for every such transaction, input one, two, three, four, yeah, five, yeah. six, up to a million or a billion times, etc. for them to get this first 30 digits to be a zero so this requires insane computing power and but this can't be done on you know our personal computers etc they have server farm type things you know warehouses of you know tens of thousands of computers that have to do these so many calculations and you've got just a 10 minute window period and yeah. there are competing people who are doing this so it's the first guy who gets those 30 or 40 digits to be zero, who gets the block approved and he uploads it into the system. Everybody else says, I check his you know, unique key, yeah. which might have been say 1,500, for example. And I got the first 30 or 40 digits to be zero. This one's validated. So then they move on to the next block of 2400 things. Yeah, and in the process, he gets these 6.25 Bitcoin. So that is two and a half crores rupees in India. So you can imagine that yeah. people also have to invest nearly that I many. Mean, I was reading these articles where in Iceland, they have, so there are proper crypto mines. Mm -hmm. And what are crypto mines? They're just supercomputers built over yards. So like hundreds and thousands of supercomputers just to do this work. Correct. So it takes, and it takes an insane amount of electricity with a light ka bill hai <laughs> so it's not that easy it's a proper business that you get a return in terms of these bitcoins what i love about this whole system is the way this nakamoto whoever designed it is that there are limited bitcoins in the universe there will be only 21 million bitcoins and it has that whole every four years diminishing output what that means is today from say 2020 to 2024 for every 
block added to the chain, you get 6.25. From 2024 onwards, this would be 3.175 or whatever. One, two, half five. of 6. Point, 3.125 uh, uh, Bitcoins. And by the end of 2040, there won't be any more Bitcoin that can be generated as a result of solving the matter. 2140. 2140, my bad. Correct. But just, just taking a little longer on mining, you'd mentioned that, of course, it's got a huge... Uh, environmental impact, electricity bills are of course a lot, etc. So apparently, if Bitcoin were a country, the Bitcoin's energy consumption would put it at number 33 in terms of countries' energy consumption annualized. That is more than the Netherlands. Insane. Believe (laughs) And so... There are two ways, you know, you can look at uh, this Bitcoin thing. So one Bitcoin transaction, suppose you were to compare it to a transaction on a Visa credit card. The energy required for one Bitcoin transaction could power almost 1 million Visa transactions. And the carbon footprint of one Bitcoin transaction is the same as all little more than 1 million Visa transactions. And that is all because every Bitcoin transaction is going to be taken up by so many miners across the world. And it's only one of them that finally successfully manages to do it. So the vast majority fail at it, but the energy is definitely spent on that uh, Bitcoin. Okay, so moving on uh, to, to why are people... okay. As Ron established, it's incredibly difficult to generate or mine Bitcoins for you and me. And yet you see a lot of your friends and and these key opinion leaders investing in Bitcoins. Why are they doing this? And maybe we'll try to touch upon on, on what Bitcoin investing actually is right now. Four big factors determine the value of Bitcoins as an asset. Okay? Number one is scarcity. Like I mentioned, There are only 21 million Bitcoins that will exist in the world. Not more than that. The second is divisibility. The successful currencies are divisible to like really small incremental units. Okay. In Bitcoin's case, I think to the eighth decimal, uh, a Bitcoin is divisible. It's also called the Satoshi Bitcoin. 100 million. Yeah, 100 million. The third is utility. A lot of businesses are going to accept Bitcoins uh, in exchange of rendering a service. So just give you an example, uh, the Mavs, the Dallas Mavericks will be accepting Dogecoins for ticket sales, right? And mm-hmm. the fourth is transferability. In the example of Pandu coin that, you, that we discussed at the start, I could just transfer two Pandu coins to Ron without a financial institution. So these four reasons is why Bitcoin as an asset is gaining insane value. And that's there's a reason why Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, uh, Naval Ravikant, Reid Hoffman, all these big guys, these big countless founders, angels, CEOs, venture capitalists are have, you know, are, are constantly talking and supporting Bitcoin. How you invest in it is an is a, is, is is the second question. Uh, so in India, thankfully as of now, it's not banned and we'll discuss Bitcoin in India and legality around it. But people generally use simple exchange apps like Wazirx, like CoinDSR, like ZepPay, where simply you can deposit INR in, in the wallet 
use the Zepay wallet, for example, to buy Bitcoins at a very minimal exchange fee. Uh, and then there's your access to actually owning Bitcoins. Cool. So, uh, Sound, you want to talk about the different types of cryptocurrency apart from Bitcoin that exists in, in the system? Yeah. And I think, Ron, I think just for the for the entertainment of our listeners, can we please, okay, just maybe a few seconds on Ethereum and can we get to meme coins, please? <laughs> right. So, uh, so Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Everything else apparently is called altcoin, alternative coins. The most popular one is Ether of the Ethereum network. So Ethereum apparently, bro, I didn't realize this until I uh, researched on this, is a is a platform is like an operating system or yes. something and ether is one it's thing that facilitates yeah mm-hmm. facilitates all of this so you can create some uh, digital uh, apps or decentralized apps on this you can create some contracts or something i don't really know how it works smart contracts smart contracts and uh, ether is what runs the nft non fungible token sales etc something else that's garnering a lot of attention today Right. So other other fun Bring coins. it on. We, we'll go one by one perhaps. Or what's the number one that you found out? Everyone knows the one that we're going to talk about. Dogecoin. Dogecoin. <laughs> so Dogecoin was the original, I think, meme coin. Somebody started it to make fun of the cryptocurrency system. But now is a legit thing in, in itself. And I think it's got a market capitalization of almost... A hundred billion dollars or something. That's at the time of recording this podcast. Check again tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) In in a very inception type of way, there was a meme coin to make fun of the original meme coin. And this one is my favorite, uh, the Shiba Inu coin. Yeah. Which which makes fun of the Dogecoin and incidentally happens to be the cryptocurrency that Vitalik uh, Buterin used to donate. When he donated two billion US dollars to... Uh, the Indian COVID oh, cause. Oh, is it? He uses Shiba Inu. Huh. He so used Kali a little goes... bit of he used a little bit of ether and a lot of Shiba Inu coin. That kind of makes it less philanthropic in a way. So that's what happened. So he donated when he donated it was two billion dollars worth or something, but prices fell after he donated by fifty percent. So it became one billion US dollars. So apart from Doge and Shiba Inu, there is Trump coin. There is a Putin coin. There is a Jesus coin. <laughs> and uh, my my favorite is uh, Koinye after Kanye West. Kanye. <laughs> it didn't take off too well. I think Kanye's lawyers came and, you know, shut them down. Uh, Dennis Rodman, I, th- I think, has a pot coin <laughs> as well that he released. Of course he does. There's also a poo coin. Okay. <laughs> but on Dogecoin, you know, the more people diss it, the more it just seems to be more than a joke. We've discussed the Dallas Mavs accepting Dogecoins. A lot of other businesses like the Kessler group of hotels uh, are ready to accept Dogecoins. Uh, there is this motor cars company called the Post Oak Motor Cars, Luxury Cars. Air Baltic accepts Dogecoins. Uh, it's quite insane. And there is uh, a lot of speculation that Amazon, Amazon uh, may start accepting Dogecoins. If it does, then then 
only like the god knows where cryptocurrency is heading you know on that run on to the last segment of india uh, there is a lot of talk and i think in in 2020 Uh, they came out and said that uh, you know uh, because how dissociated it is from a legal tender they want to make cryptocurrency illegal or they want to ban it in in some uh, capacity i read this really nice article by balaji shrinivasan and we will link it uh, in the show notes about why india should not ban it and generally adopt it four points that really spoke to me and i'll just call them out one is why india should do it it's now it's now a 2 trillion dollar industry every country is looking to adopt cryptocurrency of course blockchain at a larger level but cryptocurrency uh, to to fuel the economy here we are shying away from it so if we don't do it it's about the rest of the world gaining an edge on us the second is crypto actually may bring capital to india we mentioned about you know elon musk and mark anderson and and jack dorsey peter thiel talking about it they all support bitcoin and if they support bitcoin foreign investment is going to come in the form of bitcoin if it's banned in a country how is that investment going to come third very interesting point on is that uh, crypto actually enables the remote economy and remittances also india is the world's top recipient of remittances tomorrow if remittances have to come in the form of you know nri is being very rich in bitcoins that can't happen if it's banned here again okay? you'll be missing it out and at the end the last point was national security so india actually wants to create a digital rupee okay crypto means india can't be deep platform right financial deep platforming can't happen a digital rupee would be a centralized currency controlled by the rbi uh, whereas a bitcoin would be decentralized so no single actor has control over it administrators of the administrators of the digital rupee at rbi would be able to issue wallets freeze accounts and reverse transaction a network that cannot be shut down by any state is a network that india and its diaspora can rely upon in times of conflict so india should actually look at especially in the covid times suppose if yeah the rbi takes the administrators take like some big actions on a digital rupee crypto can actually help you in that so uh, read that article guys if whenever you have a chance and see possibly the benefits of crypto in the future for india and then decide for yourself if it's a good or a bad yeah but but the only thing over here i think that's you know probably a drawback or something that may have to be fixed in the near term is the fluctuating value of bitcoin so if if you are someone who's a malayali working in the gulf and you're earning some money you would want you know whatever money it is when it reaches your family in kerala to have that same amount of value guys so let's let's summarize this episode on because i think it's required given how complex this topic can be maybe i'll take one fact then you take one fact and let's spitball on it number one biggest thing is cryptocurrency is essentially a peer to peer electronic currency based on blockchain technology which decentralizes and therefore delinks the concept of trust so there is no financial institution covering it right and blockchains are updated by a group of people called miners who verify transactions and once they are verified add a link to the block chain and get rewarded by earning certain units of the cryptocurrency it's extremely difficult to get these bitcoins 
super computers and thousands and thousands of kilowatts of electricity are required to actually mine bitcoins and therefore the easiest way for you and me to get it is simply on trading platforms right so bit all cryptocurrencies have an a very big environmental impact and uh, that's kind of you know one of the downsides of this so bitcoin if it were a country would be the 34th largest electricity consumer there are many types of bitcoin uh, cryptocurrencies bitcoin being 50% of the market value the second biggest is ethereum and the list of meme coins is insane so cryptocurrencies acceptance as you know something that can be used to buy goods and services is increasing day by day uh, everything from you know gift coupons debit cards people like tesla lift target etc are accepting cryptocurrency if not directly through payment partner and finally india is a little iffy about its stand on cryptocurrency they are cynical that it may be an a threat to national security and may be directly competing with the legal tender and hence there may be a case that it could be banned in india all right with that we come to the end of the episode and if you guys do want us to cover blockchains as a separate episode do let us know at surfacecratchers@gmail.com it's it's a whole vast topic to cover uh, cryptocurrencies is just a fraction of the use cases of blockchain so we'll be happy to delve into the details of it and, and verbalize it in an episode for you guys until next time from ron and me bye